Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work, a podcast on the 9 to 5 podcast network about all things Apple and the enterprise. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host. This week, I am welcoming back Rich Troughton to the show, a second-time guest. Rich, welcome back to Apple at Work. Thanks for having me. So we had you on last time to talk about the Mac Admins uh, podcast found or the Mac Admins Foundation, and we're talking about the Mac Admins podcast. Um, on for a different reason this time. And um, but before we get into the reason you're here, can you give our listeners a little bit of backstory about where you work and what you do? Um, well, I work for uh, you know SAP, and uh, you know I am part of the Mac COE team there, who is responsible for you know. Managing, securing, and uh, making sure that uh, SAP's Mac users have a great experience. You know, I, I love that mindset that a lot of Apple IT admins have today. It's it's first and foremost making sure that all Mac users have a great experience, and part of that is making sure those Macs are secure. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about just how, in some ways, the the security and IT, their goals are kind of converging. We're both, the, you know, security on one hand was obviously focused on how do we secure everything. And then IT was making sure these things work and their people are productive. But, you know, part of great security is making sure that users can do their work. And part of being secure uh, or part of having great productivity is ensuring the devices are secure. Uh, so I love the way you framed that, that. That really is, you know, it's just a, it's a very modern approach to IT uh, and looking at IT as a, Productivity powerhouse department versus uh, just breaking and fixing or fixing uh, broken things. Um, but the, not here to talk about SAP as great as the organization is. Today we want to talk about a book you came out a couple years ago uh, with Charles Edge about Apple device management. So uh, for those of our listeners that have never heard of the book, can you give us a little bit of background on, on who the book is for and what it covers? Well, it's for both. Uh, I would say both you know beginning Mac admins and also experienced Mac admins. Um, there's also information in that it, it, it's kind of a unified theory and that's that's part of the title for managing Macs, iPads, iPhones and Apple TVs where you know we're not just covering Macs we're also talking about iOS we're talking about you know iPad OS we're talking about Apple TVs um, though of course there is a lot of information there that is going to be Mac specific but it's really the idea that someone can take this um, if they're a beginner they'll hopefully learn a lot if they're if they're experienced hopefully they'll learn something um, but, you know, we're trying to write this for, you know, a general uh, Apple admin audience. Yeah, I mean, the book was from, it's a couple of years old now, but I would argue yeah. it's certainly not out of date. And it's, um, you know, even though, we, you know, does it, does it cover iOS 16? No. But really what we're seeing year over year from Apple is this. You know, gradual evolution of what the future of Apple management looks like. Uh, the Mac, iPad, uh, iPhone, and again, and even TVOS as well. Uh, I know you all are working on a new book, but I, I think the it's it's. I saw a joke the other day. Somebody said they like you know it was like a job application. It was like needs twenty years experience for like a, a industry that was only ten years old. And I and I think that's the challenge. Um, that if you're an IT is. Uh, you know, if you were not, you know, an IT admin in 2005 and you're, you know, at the time your probably skill set was keeping Windows servers up and running, managing exchange, um, traditional firewalls and switches. Well, in the last 17 years, you've had to become a Wi-Fi expert. You've had to become a mobility expert. You've had to become um, a content filtering expert. Like you've had to continually add to your skill set um, in, in, in industries that like they're you know, like let's say, for example, you're in accounting and FASB, which is the organization that kind of sets accounting standards, 
Well, when they roll out these standards, like they have to give you all the answers to how these things are done. Like you're not expected to figure it out on the fly and make it up as you go. Right. With IT, it's, it's not that way. I don't know, you know, like in my experience, like when, when enterprise Wi-Fi became something that like I had to care about, well, there was no, I mean, there was a little vendor, vendor neutral training, but like you kind of had to just sort of figure it out as you went. And because the vendor, the tools at the time were very rudimentary. And over time, I figured out more. And over time, the tools got better. And and, and now Apple admin is, is, is in the same boat. I mean, you think about what Apple would consider to be best practices in 2010 seems like foreign and, and 2022. A good example is when, when, when the iPads and the iPod touches were first becoming a thing in the you know, organizations with the volume purchase program, there was like you were – deploying things over iTunes to, you know, iPads in schools. And the idea of that now just seems laughable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do you, how, how did you even start to begin to write this book? You know, again, I'm sure you all started writing it years and years ago, but where did you even start? Well, um, for this one, I was uh, approached by, uh, you know, Charles, who's now joined us, um, that, uh, you know, we've been talking about writing, a book together and he was he proposed this and i thought this was this was great because this was gonna this was gonna kind of encompass the whole apple device universe as it were this this would be a great challenge and it would also be a great opportunity to share this kind of information and really show how it interlocked um like you know discuss how ios encryption worked and then say and you know building on top of that this is how mac uh, os encryption works and say you know we all we took this thing that uh we've been discussing for the iOS encryption and how it works. And here's how it's being implemented on the Mac. It's not you know, quite the same. There's some different curlicules, but you know, we can really build upon that to say, here's how it is all working together. Here is how Apple is really, you know, taking these platforms and, uh, you know, taking concepts that maybe they tried out first on iOS, but they're also bringing it to uh, Mac OS as well. You, you know, I, I think it's it's really a, a great service to the Apple community that a book like this even exists because, you know, it's one thing to write some technical blogs. It's one thing to have a podcast talking about it. When you go through the process of like putting pen to paper in a physical book that is through a publisher that is going to be printed and it's not so easy to update, um, you really have to, what would you say, like, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. Um, that's, it's certainly a challenge. And how did the editing process for a book like this goes? I mean, obviously, um, you know, you and, and Charles edge, you know, co-wrote it, but then obviously there's some, I'm sure some checking each other, but like, you know, what, was there like a peer review process or how did this go? So for this, Charles, you want to talk about this? I mean, you're far more experienced with this than I am. Sure. I I've found that every publisher I've worked with has a, technical editor and a grammatical editor. And so the technical editor is the person responsible for reading the book and putting hopefully polite comments in the sidebar about, oh, well, I think this is off or um, or you can add this or remove that. And then the grammatical editor later, you know, does the a, a grammar sweep and hopefully the technical stuff's still accurate at the end of the grammar sweep. And then there's a layout editor who does a third pass um, and the acquisitions editor does a pass typically. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of passes, but typically it's up to the technical editor to kind of keep us honest and go through our workflows. And sometimes they'll find things that we don't have in our walled garden because their little network at home or in the office is a little bit different than ours. 
And those are always really kind of some of the most interesting things to see in a book when, you know, this 8021X profile works differently for this environment than it does for some other, you know, there's hundreds of examples out there, but, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's a few different passes specifically for that editing piece, provided that the technical editor does their job. I've had some that, uh, phone it in, you know, (laughs) you know, the, the real challenge for being an Apple IT admin is, um, Apple is, is really forging a new way in terms of, you know, they're not trying to fit into their traditional, what you consider the, the legacy management model. Um, Apple, you know, looked at how devices are managed in the in- enterprise and said, if we design this from a first principles approach, what, how would we do this? Uh, how would we do this to ensure it's a great experience out of the box? It's, it's, a, it's a seamless experience out of the box. IT is uh, is empowered and you know help users, but also security professionals have the tools they need and the infrastructure they need to um, get the data they need. And I, I think the reason maybe a lot of organizations struggle with Macs if they're new to managing Apple devices is they're not looking at it as like what what's the best way to do this, but more of like looking at it from a way of. Um, you know, how, how do we want to make this work? Like, you know, it's like, it's, that's our way, the highway, but our way or the highway, but Apple really kind of has their own path forward. And is that one of the goals you had with this book is, is really kind of, you know, being that guide for a, a windows admin who maybe knows Apple, but is new to the Mac management and is wanting to really make mm-hmm. sure that their deployment is a success. Yeah. You just paraphrase chapter one pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say, you know, the, the whole, um, Landman, like if you go back to the 1980s esque, um, what we consider traditional IT infrastructure for enterprise, that that land manager that evolved into um, NT4 domain controllers that evolved into Active Directory, and putting the device management policies inside that directory structure, as opposed to now they're kind of standalone. Um, you know, in the form of like your Octas, your Azure AD, whatever your your, uh, your identity platform is. I, I think Apple kind of made that possible in a way because they said all of these devices aren't on the same network anymore. So we can't manage in that old way. We have to manage these iPhones and iPads in this new way. And then that also became the management infrastructure for a lot of Macs. Um, but divorcing those, um, things from like an LDAP type of scenario into their own standalone mobile device management, if we want to call it that kind of infrastructure, um, I think is, is one of the reasons why we're forging ahead in this almost prosumerization of, of IT, if that makes sense. This episode of Apple at Work is brought to you by Adigy. Adigy is the only fully cloud-based, multi-tenant Apple MDM platform designed for scalability. Adigy helps you do more than just manage your Apple devices. It gives you the features, functionality, and flexibility you need to customize and manage your Apple devices to ensure your Apple infrastructure is optimized to best support your environment. Adigy helps simplify Apple IT management by creating a solution that's so flexible and customizable, any IT team can use it to easily maintain and secure the Apple devices in their managed networks. So what makes Adigy different? Zero-touch deployment allows you to get new members onboarded securely in under five minutes. Secure authentication with trusted providers helps eliminate security gaps with tested authenticated features your users can rely on. 
Real-time monitoring with automated remediation helps you manage devices in real time and resolve issues automatically before they cause downtime. Custom compliance features allow you to enjoy a peace of mind knowing your Apple infrastructure is always compliant and up-to-date. Self-service capabilities freeze your IT team from endless reset requests with 24-7 user access to resources and applications. Patch management prevents delays, helps fix bugs early, and minimize downtime by rolling out new updates and patches as soon as possible. Agi is easy to customize and scale to meet any needs and adapt to any environment with fast, free, catered migration. It's an MDM tool that works as hard as you do at the speed of now. Thanks to Adigee for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Visit adigee.com slash 9to5Mac for a fast, free, and easy 14-day trial. That's A-D-D-I-G-Y dot com slash 9to5Mac for a free 14-day trial. You know, the pro-summarization wording is 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 really apt there. Um, and I had not thought of it that way. I mean, you are seeing the conversion of what um, users, you know, we consider to be work devices, but also like these are the tools they use to get their job done. And, and I always equate it back to a, a carpenter loves their favorite drill and your job is to make sure that their favorite drill can be used and, and is, you know, they're empowered to use that in a way that's secure for the organization. Now um, you all have a new version coming out, I think sometime, sometime next year. So what was the process like? I mean, again, I know the frustrating thing about a book, you're like, all right, we want to be done with this. Like this book is written. You write a fiction book, you write it and you're done. <laughs> Uh, technical books, unfortunately, um, you don't get that luxury. You have to, um, you, you either update it and put out a new version or the book eventually just becomes out of date and no one needs it. So what was the process like for thinking, okay, it's time for a new version. How do, where do you even begin with that? So I feel like for this one, I am an old grizzly person and cause I've done so many multiple editions, Rich, why don't you take this one? I'm curious to hear your perspective on it. Well, I mean, the first thing we had to look at was what didn't we really cover uh, in first edition that has changed in the interim. I mean, a good example is, you know, Apple Silicon came out. That wasn't a thing uh, when we wrote this and and uh, it got published. So, you know, that's that's an that's a completely new area that we needed to go through. Like, uh, you know, a good example, kind of going back to what I was talking about with iOS versus macOS encryption. Um, File Vault changed in some fairly important ways uh, between Intel and Apple Silicon, where now Apple Silicon is using um, much more of the iOS data protection methods than the Intel Macs do. It, it, it takes, uh, like on the Intel Macs, the encryption kind of stops at the volume level uh, and doesn't extend down to the file level. Whereas on Apple Silicon, that's different where it's, it's adopting the data protection methods on iOS, which do extend down to the file level. And uh, it applies those to Apple Silicon and it makes it just, and it, it takes it and makes it work in a way that the Mac admin uh, doesn't have to worry about, you know, the tools and the functionality having changed on them. But from a security point of view, Apple Silicon has just a more comprehensive encryption scheme uh, than you do on Intel Max, and you know that was something that needed to be go to, to be researched and then go into in detail. That hopefully everyone will be able to, everyone reading the book will be able to understand. So I would say, you know, things like that. You know, you change to Apple's. Uh, you know, the introduction of Apple Silicon. What does that mean? Um, you know, how does that change things for say, uh, you know, the keyboard shortcuts you can hit at startup? Like for Intel Max, there's a whole list of things you can hit at startup. Uh, and really on the Apple Silicon Max, there's one 
you hit the power button and that that'll bring up a menu and you get all the functionality from there. So all the all that muscle memory that uh, folks are like, well, I, I did this on the Intel Max and it's not working on the Apple Silicon Max. Well, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I told somebody the other day, Apple Silicon is um, probably the biggest fundamental computing shift in my nearly 40 years on this earth. And I know that may be a, a big change and, uh, and it may be a big statement because we have lived through some things like the introduction of the high, high speed internet and um, transition away from spinning platter hard drives. But um, I, I just see what Apple has done on the desktop when it's building its own chips and it, it there just feels like we're entering into a new golden age of, of mobility, power, speed, and then in some ways longevity for devices as well. Yeah, yeah I think I've, with those uh, machine learning cores, we're only scratching the surface um, for what's next. And that's for Apple and Samsung and every other ARM-based chip manufacturer. You know, to me, that's... And just uh, also... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and also practical things like, uh, you know, just battery life. I, I, I used to, for my uh, Intel MacBook Pro, I would always have it plugged in because, you know, I, I would have it unplugged and then I'd be like, and now I'm at 50% uh, after what seems like five minutes because I'm running a bunch of virtual machines. And for Apple Silicon, I'm, I've been leaving it more unplugged. You know, more and more I can work without being tethered to the wall for power because the battery life is just so much better. And that goes back to how much power the processor is using. That's how, that's how much power the, the device overall is using. Um, and for me, that's just been a, a change in how I've been able to work, and it's great. And I would say MDM is almost an endemic of that or emblemic, <laughs> emblematic, sorry, of that, because one of the reasons that, that they built device management over push notifications was so that, you know, when people weren't rebooting their iPhone every night, it wouldn't bring down new profiles from Active Directory, let's say, not that they used Active Directory, but um, but by using push notifications, they could be using the same very low battery infrastructure that they were using for mail and messages and all, all these other apps. And I, I think that, um, you know, you can make a change in MDM and see it show up on the machine immediately a lot of times. And that, that was something we never really had with the old way of device management, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you know, I think we're in this nice spot to where, you don't have like situations like in, in your book that you're having to write about that you really don't have like the best practices that you kind of, there's, you know, there's very little things you're going to have to like, all right, we know this is an ideal, but situations, uh, Apple has slowly taken the, this is an ideal, but situations over the years and whittled away and built scalable solutions for it professionals. And then certainly when you're in an environment, when you're supporting people that, uh, you don't, you, you may never actually see that machine in person. Um, it's weird. Mm -hmm. And, but you need those scalable solutions that can, where everything can be automated and everything can be handled uh, outside of hardware repairs, um, you know, from, from the, you know, device management system. And then, you know, what are the other platforms you're using to secure your devices? Absolutely. I would say, um, the, there are worse practices for cert, for sure, <laughs> but they're, um, the, the best practices are just kind of baked into the workflows in the MDMs or the, 
um, security tooling. Uh, I, I would say the only place in the book where uh, we really thought about tearing something out that's still possible was in the LDAP Active Directory Device Management um, side of things, and you know, just going full board into identity management. But even there, we're like, you can you can bind to LDAP or or Active Directory, but here's you know the better way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's and, on its way you know, out. Yeah, and and I found myself doing that like with the OS 10 server books. Um, it's like, well, you can run your own mail server, but <laughs> should you? I'm gonna is say, the question. <laughs> right, I'm going to show you how, but you don't want to do this. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's better in those chapters to just put like Champ Connect or Nomad or something like that up front, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think those are the nice solutions too. I mean, again, LDAP is you know was a great technology, but the it, I would argue probably very few organizations are deploying that new today. It's going to be legacy environments that are trying to bridge the gap where if you, you know, there are just better solutions out there that are well are more supported. Um, and then Apple's also done some nice things on the other end to really tie in identity providers into the login experience. It's really, there just are, there are very nice turnkey solutions out there. Uh, and the mail server is a good example. Like I think that email should always be done in a way where you should be able to run your own mail server. Almost no one should, but it, I think it's important to be reliant on open. You know, I, I kind of always have said, protocols are better than platforms. Um, but then, you know, if you need supported solutions where, you know, I like platforms that are built on top of open protocols, I guess is my, you know, always my point of reference. Uh, I want somebody else to be responsible for maintaining the code and keeping it up and running, but I like open protocols. Yeah. It, SMTP is validated by the IETF every few years when a new version comes out, right? <laughs> and any, any vendor should be able to interoperate with any other vendor on those open protocols. So I, I absolutely dig that. Um, and I, I would love to actually see MDM as a more open protocol, but, um, but it's also, you know, Google and Microsoft and Apple just kind of do it their own way. So even though yeah, they're all yeah, kind we, of doing some of it. I I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and, and I, I may have mentioned this on a past episode, where I, every about every 10 years we have this pivot from protocols to platforms and back to protocols. And if you go back to the early days of the internet, it's built on um, protocols. You moved into like the, the Prodigy and AOL era. It's platforms, you know, making it easier for users. Well, then we went to the web. Again, back to protocols. Well, then people said, well, email's great, but we can build a messaging app that's faster. It's like, okay, so we move, you, know, you end up in these, so you end up in platforms like the, you end up in the Facebooks and the Twitter era. And I feel like the next shift is going to be this like move back to protocols where customers personally, but also on the enterprise side are concerned about like being locked in to particular vendors. And um, so they're more, again, leaning into open protocols. How do I keep control of our infrastructure? How do I keep control of my data? And I think we may be heading into another pivot back to that. Uh, this is just, it's, I said to somebody, it's, it's interesting being old enough to kind of watch these trends happen uh, back and forth because you kind of know what's coming. You're not surprised by any of it. Yeah. To back up what you're saying, um, you know, a lot of people want their data just personally, whether it's across a social network, uh, you know, kind of like what you were talking about, Facebook and Twitter or, um, or what have you. But a lot of people are, are looking at data autonomy and how they have sovereignty over their own presence, I guess, online. Um, 
and I, that would back up, you know, as opposed to the app, the protocol. But um, I, I do see a splintering of, of the protocol management groups. I mean, the IETF, for example, is what, 50, 60 years old, and, um, and it's a very academic-oriented organization. And so these things move very slowly, whereas if you were looking at trying to build a back-end protocol to make it where you know, some, a, a lot of these things are kind of blockchain-y or, um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that in general, but that, that's what a lot of these kind of tend to veer towards. Um, you know, if you were to be doing that, it, I don't know that you can move that slowly at that academic pace where it might take three years, like, uh, like WebAuthn, um, and some of the technologies that, that underpin Apple's pass keys, um, you know, that, that technology has been in the works for what, seven, eight years in open standards committees at the IETF, but, um, yet yeah, we're moving very quickly these days, you know? So oh, that's, I, I, that's a great point that, that, that like, you know, it, it seems like to a user, Oh, this like passkey thing is here. Cool. Like, I guess, but it's like, yeah, we've been actually been working on this since Obama was in office. I mean, that these, <laughs> these things yeah. that come out of, yeah. come out of nowhere seemingly, um, now, again, it just Apple takes time because people move slow. Yeah, I mean, to say that we as a technical community have done, you know, once those protocols, though, are mature, a, a talented cadre of Apple developers can sit down and just knock it out. And it's interoperable with other device vendors because they are open standards, you know. So I'd love to see when an open standard has matured enough that an organization like an Apple or um any of the others can, can just pick that tech up and, and, you know, Apple and Google can agree and say, Hey, we're going to use this. And this is going to be how we try to move to this passwordless phase of computing. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that quote unquote web three stuff is kind of quite far enough along yet because a, a lot of the standards bodies that they're creating are just not, not the same, but now we're getting way beyond the scope of this book, I guess. <laughs> I think it's I think it's what happens when people when uh, you know just tech nerds get together. Um, I, uh, it's how it happens. Um, so it looks like we're right at time. Um, Rich, any parting words? Um, any 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 wisdom to somebody that's maybe going to pick up the book for the first time? Going to read the 2019 edition and plan on picking up the next next edition. Any any parting words to them other than have a big cup of coffee to read that 800 plus book, 800 word, 800 page uh, plus book. I'd say check the table of contents and start with the section that interests you the most. That's a good word. Uh, Charles, any, any parting words from you as we uh, pl- look ahead to the next edition? There is no wisdom wiser than, than riches. Yeah. I, I don't think people read books in the end that much anymore. You know, if you're looking for what's new in Apple device management or in mobile device management, that's a chapter, you know? So yeah, what Rich said works for me. Uh, you know, the great thing about uh, IT people, I think in general, is most of us are very open with solutions. Um, you know, it's like the little comic where someone says, um, you know, I, I Googled a problem and found a one one forum post from 2003 um, where so basically someone else had the same problem. You're like wondering, where is that person? Um, <laughs> we're, we're all just people trying to keep stuff working keep stuff secure and keep people happy uh, at their jobs. And uh, that's the great thing about the, the Mac community, specifically the Mac admins community is um, 
we all, you know, you, you all work for different organizations, you know, some, some on the vendor side, some on the customer side, but ultimately we, we have, we, people come around this united passion of Apple being great in the enterprise. And we all remember when Apple was the redheaded stepchild in the enterprise and you, you couldn't, people didn't want it. And so we, we, I think we, we also have that pirate mentality of like, we just, we just want people to love using their Macs at work so we can keep managing Macs at work. Yeah, I hope that trauma in the past subsides someday, but it doesn't seem to have done so yet. It will when people like us, um, I think we're all around the same age looking at the video, um, and we all have um, equally amount of gray hair. But I think people, I think when people like us um, maybe retire and it's the, it's the people uh, that are our age that like their first experience, you know, they don't remember a time when you couldn't put an exchange server on a Mac without a hack. Uh, you know, things that things have changed a lot. And then now I would argue Apple is the easier to add, get an exchange, ex- exchange email or Microsoft email on a Mac than it is on a PC, to be honest with you. Um, but again, we'll have a link to the book in the show notes. Again, if you want to support the great work Rich and Charles are doing, go buy the 2019 version of it. It's still got tons of great nuggets. It is not out of date. Um, because a lot of this stuff is still foundational and you need to know it. So if you're new to Apple management or just wanting to brush up on best practices, click the link in the show notes to go buy it. It's only like 20 bucks on the Kindle. Uh, and again, we have a new version coming out in 2023. Uh, and again, I, I can't wait to read it. And, um, and like, I'm like you, Charles, these are, these are kind of books you get, you don't sit through in one sitting, but you find a chapter of the industry, you go read it and you highlight something and you probably come up something later, you know, two weeks later in work, you can come back to it. So, uh, guys, thanks for your contributions to the, uh, Apple community community it's uh um we honestly it's guys like you that make this thing work uh that that just really are giving and are serving in the community to really leave leave the iet it industry better than you found it so again we'll have links to all your social profiles so if you're not if you're not if you haven't connected with richard charles go do that they're great follows on on uh, all the social uh, networks. And again, especially this time of year when we've got uh, Mac West Ventura uh, weeks away, as we assume, uh, great guys to connect with. So guys, uh, we'll have you back again real soon and good luck with the, the book next year.